afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for someone like me. There's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. Rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, I find that sometimes a casual front porch style talk with the pastor is often the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Mark Preuss, pastor of St. Andrew's Lutheran Church in Laramie, Wyoming. I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to let's talk at kfuo.org. Or you can call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, and that includes Metro East, that number is 314-821-0850. Or you can call toll-free anywhere for the lower 48 at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to the Front Porch. Thanks, Kip. Good to be back. Good to have you. Oh, boy, I tell you, it's... it's uh, <laughs> It's definitely winter. The temperature's getting cold, and uh, we've had some snow on the ground. But, of course, I'm talking to a guy in Wyoming here, so <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure you got yeah, we, we haven't gotten as much snow as we normally get. It's very hard to uh, – <clears throat> uh, I can't go skiing yet. It's kind of a bummer. But we're building our ice rink in the backyard, and it's going pretty well. Ice rink? Yeah, we have an ice rink in the backyard. Okay. Get the ants out of the kids' pants, and it's really nice. <laughs> okay. I haven't ice skated since I was a teenager, and I wasn't very good at it. Well, maybe you just need some practice. you got to come and visit. <laughs> at my age, no thank you. <laughs> you know, this is kind of a special program uh, today, because this is going to be the final Let's Talk the Pastors in program of the year. Uh, starting next uh, next week at Christmas Eve, we will be doing special programming, the 12 days of Christmas, that will last through uh, January the 6th of the coming year. So that means that this is going to be the last one. So I think it's time for us to sit back and maybe take a look at what's been happening this past year and what are our hopes for the coming year. And I, I'm specifically interested in, from a religious point of view, Pastor, what have you seen has happened, good and bad, this this year in terms of, of religion? In terms of religion, what has happened that's good and bad? Should we start with the bad and then move to the good? Yeah, yeah, let's get the bad out of the way first, and then we can go good. Get the bad out of the way first, all right. So I have seen... Uh, the devil stopped the gospel from being preached and the sacraments from being administered. And I've stopped, I've, I've seen, uh, I mean, in our culture and I've seen it throughout our church body and elsewhere, people are too afraid to go to church because of a disease. And, uh, and so there's fear, a lot of fear over what can destroy the body. And, uh, not a lot of fear over him who can cast both body and soul into hell. And uh, so I've seen that. It's a very frightening thing. Um, and then as far as, you know, the, the religious implications of that, if you don't hear the word of God, and uh, then, then faith can't survive. And also, if, if, we, if we neglect the gathering of ourselves together, then we don't have 
each other, to encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. So we're in a pretty rough spot right now. But uh, it also has, in a sense, kind of cold the flock. You, you, you realize people show, people show uh, where their faith is. Um, so I think that the church is being strengthened by adversity and um, that we need to cling all the more tightly to the Word of God, to its promises in Christ. So that's kind of a, besides, uh, and then we have the, of course, the election, <clears throat> but um, how that affects religion, I suppose we could talk about that, too. <laughs> well, I think we're probably going to have to. Um, in fact, I'm going to be doing a World Lutheran News Digest program on that uh, this coming week, uh, because they are some some groups that are advising uh, the president-elect have uh, got some... <laughs> have some suggestions that I think are alarming for people of faith. So, you know, it's, it's been a weird year, I have to say. Uh, now, I have to mm-hmm. admit uh, that I've told my pastor that I'm in a high-risk group uh, yeah. because of age and health and other things, and that I would not be attending church regularly until this thing is passed over. And uh, mm-hmm. my pastor, fortunately, is very understanding about that, but I still feel guilty as heck. <laughs> <laughs> and I miss not being able to have the Lord's Supper. I miss not getting the the absolution and the confession. I miss not singing the hymns. I miss not seeing my fellow Christians in the church. Uh, uh, but on the other hand, the my congregation, I think many others, despite this, have managed to stay open the whole time. Of course, Missouri is a little bit uh, more open than some other states have been in terms of their uh, rather draconian uh, uh, lockdowns. And, right. And so we've we've been fortunate in that area in that area because of that. Uh, but we are seeing that in a lot of different areas right now. I mean, there was a California and New York uh, have really cracked down on on church meetings, and uh, but one. Thing on the um, on the on the upswing on that is that now the courts are starting to get involved and are taking notice and saying you cannot treat houses of worship any different than you do with any secular with any secular group. Uh, like we've seen, uh, you know, for example, in Nevada, where uh, casinos are open but churches are not. <laughs> Somehow right. the, the, the casino is the is the uh, is the an essential business in San Diego. They've even got strip clubs that are still open. <laughs> yeah, that's disgusting. Uh, I the, the government has no authority to tell the church um, what to do. So they don't... Um, I mean, this is something that I think we really need to assert. So people will say, well, the government can impose building codes and things like that. Well, we agree to do that because it's... Um, uh, it's, it's, uh, um, excuse me. Um, sorry. Uh, we agree to do that because it's, we, we recognize the good of it, but really the government has no authority to tell us how we gather together and practice our religion. And we need to assert this. This is what is true in, in God's word. Um, and it's it's also uh, protected in the First Amendment because they recognized that the church is set apart uh, from governmental interference. And so 
it's and this is what I think we we should recognize that God governs us in three different ways and through the three estates, the home, the church, and the government, the domestic estate, the ecclesiastical estate, and the political estate. And what we're really seeing right now is um, we're seeing the intrusion of the government into the ecclesiastical estate and into the domestic estate in ways that we've, we have never seen before. We've seen it to some extent, but we've never seen it before, where the government promises you safety and health and life as long as you do what it says. And they have no consideration of the eternal life that the church offers uh, and, and uh, the comfort that the church offers, because the highest moral good is saving somebody's earthly life and uh, this disease is so horrible that it could kill millions and millions of people, and only the government can protect us from it. And and so this is why when whoever you know whatever you fear the most is your God, and whatever you trust in the most is your God. And the government is very much uh, has very much taken the place of God in people's lives throughout this uh, disease, which I can't even call a pandemic. I mean. It's it's not as deadly as the Spanish flu. It's not as um, it's it's just yeah. It's been overblown to control people, and um, and this is what is frightening that we so easily have let the government do things that we have never even considered letting the government do before. And uh, perhaps people are getting a little comfortable and uh, and used to uh, having these restrictions put. I'll put on them. Uh, you know, once this thing is all is over, eventually it will be. Will the uh, government back off and let us live our lives again as we normally do, or will they try to hold on to this this kind of uh, this kind of power? It's difficult to say. Uh, I look at uh, well, for example, in Virginia, uh, the governor there said, "Well, you don't have to be in church to pray." <laughs> <laughs> See, you see, so he's going to tell us how to worship God. Absolutely, it's like, like you go away. That's what I just want to say. And that Americans put up with this at all. Every single church, every single church in America should ignore every single mandate that the government uh, gives them. If they want to practice social distancing and do wear face masks and stuff because they decide to, they can do that. But a pastor has a command from the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the gospel and administer the sacraments, period. And if he's not doing it, then he is a, then, then he is a faithless pastor. And, 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 and that's what I preach from the pulpit. Obviously, we want people who are, who are frightened and we, uh, are, are high risk. We can, we can deal with that. A pastor can go visit him, bring him, a, bring him communion, things like that. But this is just, it is insane how much control the devil has over uh, over people's hearts. Because who, and this is my question, Kip, who, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, who stopped the gospel from being preached and the sacraments from being administered to millions of people? Who could have done this? And the answer is very clearly the devil, obviously. He doesn't want faith to be created and sustained. He doesn't want the good works that come from Christians sharing each other's sufferings. And by the way, I'm driving and I'm passing by 30 antelope on the side of the road. But anyway, um, this is, it's the devil. It's, 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 it's plain and simple, it's the devil. And I, and I see the devil all over this, 
because he teaches false doctrine. He lies. He says that you should fear him who can destroy the body, and you shouldn't fear him who can cast both body and soul into hell. And so the need for the gospel, the need for the word of God, the need for Christians to encourage each other, all the more as we see the day approaching, these needs have been completely obscured by our fear that has been fabricated in many cases beyond what we should actually have a concern for. So it's just, as far as religion is concerned, everybody's religious. Look at everybody's fears and loves and trusts, and you'll find their religion. And um, as far as how we're going to go forward in the future, I think that we're in many ways a lot stronger because Christians have risked, they've taken the risk to hear the Word of God. They know their their priorities have gotten straightened out. Um, Many, many people haven't, but um, but they realize how precious it is to, have, to, to hear the Word of God, to receive the sacrament, and to just have Christians who care about you, around you, you know? And another thing, one, one other thing about that we, we often talk about this, and I listen to NPR, it's like my last connection to um, <clears throat> the liberal world, you know? And they're always giving these encouraging things about how to, how to um, handle the... Uh, isolation, how to do Thanksgiving or Christmas alone. <laughs> and it's like, who else? Who wants us all to be alone? Who wants us to be alone, Kip? I mean, like, <laughs> it's just, it's just, let's just think about this for a little while. Theologically, religiously, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, uh, but against the prince of the powers of the air, and that's the devil. So I'm, 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 you know, I've been kind of uh, annoyed for a long time, but I've, I've kind of come to accept that, man, the only thing we have is the Word of God. And so we have to fight for it. If, if, if there's a pastor out there who, because the people are afraid, decides not to have services, or because the government tells them they can't, says we, we, we can't have services, that pastor needs to reevaluate his situation. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, commands him to preach the gospel and administer the sacraments to his sheep. He commands him. He doesn't tell him unless this or this or that. I mean, even, even the, the heathen uh, of, of our country recognize that the First Amendment isn't, isn't just ab- abrogated because of a pandemic, you know? And yet we have preachers who have forgotten like Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And this is what people need. Right when people are afraid of sickness and death and, and, and they're confused about all sorts of things, that's when we're not going to have church. That's when we're not going to gather together and help each other out. Obviously, protect the sick and the infirm and the weak and those at risk. But, oh, man, have people used this as an excuse simply to continue the, our, our self-isolating practices are more and more of, of the uh, alienation from each other. We're already socially uh, uh, retarded in so many ways, you know, slowed down, um, that this, this is just a disaster. But I think in many ways it's just simply shown us already who, who we were even before the pandemic. Well, maybe this is the time to discuss the uh, the two kingdoms concept again. And the, the thing I'm looking at is that what happens when the left-hand kingdom, the kingdom of the world, is in conflict with the right-hand kingdom, the kingdom of the church. And that seems to be what's happening here. 
Yeah, well, we must obey God rather than men. So um, we, we, we'll have to suffer for it. But this is what always annoys me, Kip, is that if everybody just looked at these orders from the governors and mayors and just laughed and just didn't obey them as far as them telling the churches to close, they couldn't do anything, you know? The, but, but no, they actually think that the government has the authority to stop the gospel from being preached and the sacraments from being administered, you know? And I mean, obviously there are precautions that churches can take, et cetera, but the government's saying that the church has, um, the church has no authority to preach the gospel and administer the sacraments when the government deems it unsafe. So it's unsafe for Christians to gather together to hear the word of God and receive the sacraments. And so I mean, what are you supposed to say to people who, who do such things, you know? I mean, it's like, it's like uh, and, and they're intruding into the domestic estate, too, into the home, you know? It's like, uh, like forcing, forcing businesses and people to wear masks whenever they say that they should. Now, we, we can debate about the efficacy or effectiveness of masks all we want, but it's, it's kind of like, uh, like me going over to my friend's house and my friend's mom telling me that I need to wear a bike helmet. Well, maybe bike helmets might help, but my parents don't tell me that I need to wear a bike helmet because the risks are minimal. And so they want me to understand this and, you know, do that. And, uh, but, but now it's like everybody's so afraid. They're going, to, uh, go, they're going to go and impose this on businesses, on other, other places, you know, on schools where it's been shown that the children don't pass it on like older people do, that they don't, that it's very rare that you, that, that, that you're hurt. Uh, like children are more likely to die from the flu than from this disease, you know, but they're still going to impose. Uh, and then a school is part of the, the home, the domestic estate. They're still going to impose these rules, even though there are very, you know, intelligent understanding and circumspect fathers and mothers who would say, no, there's no point to this. Why would you do this to them? They can't see each other's faces. You know, this isn't good. So it's, you, you see the government's intrusion into both the ecclesiastical and the domestic estates. And it's, it's, it's very frustrating, you know, and I'm not against, you know, people want to wear masks. It's fine. It's just the forcing people, you know, you have to obey. You need to obey uh, the government. Otherwise you're sinning, you know, you're doing wrong. And that's kind of the hard point is when do you tell the government no? And uh, because we shouldn't rebel, we're against that. We pray for the government, you know, but man, it seems like they're overreaching. I think they've tasted power and they never want to give it up. So. Well, one thing that you pointed out uh, toward the beginning of this conversation uh, is that, you know, the three foundations and one of course is the family. Now, Mm -hmm. maybe there's been a, uh, uh, an unintended consequence here where people now are, because of these restrictions, are having to look more and more to the family. They're spending more time with their people, with their with their spouses, with their children. Um, mm-hmm. This may be a good thing. I mean, I, I look at some of the statistics, you know, like the supposedly uh, domestic violence is on the increase. Uh, who knows what the divorce rate is going to be? So maybe it works for both ways here is that... Uh, it's a calling process, as you said, but, you know, sometimes uh, you're going to emerge stronger than before. Yeah. 
Well, and that's good. Let's start talking about the good stuff. <laughs> this is, you know, we're all tired of talking about this. I think you're right. I think that, I think in many ways, uh, you know, I've gotten to know my family more and, and just in the community of our congregation, the people who have stuck around, um, you know, we've, we've grown together in ways that are much faster uh, than in previous years. Um, and so everything's just changed a little bit, but I also think that, um, that, you know, it's made us aware of, Hey, this life of leisure and ease that we have can be taken just like that, you know, and we need to recognize what's important in life. What are the most important things? We need Jesus and we need each other. It's just, it's, those are the two main things that I've learned. I need God's word. I need Jesus. And I need my fellow Christians. I need them. I can't do this on my own. And that's what, I mean, all of the misery that I've been seeing uh, this year, um, I've seen a couple suicide and seen how I saw one, but it's, it's just bad, it's just, just despair, you know? And who causes despair? The devil, the world, and our flesh, they lead us into despair, false belief. And, and uh, we need each other. Um, like, like we sing in the hymn, a well-armed host, uh, that we are a well-armed host through comfort of the Holy Ghost. We, we, we are well-armed when we have the comfort of the Word of God and the Gospel, when we cling to it, then works of love abound. And we, 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 we grow in the midst of suffering. But this isn't going to happen um, where the gospel isn't preached and where Christians can't gather together. So I, I, I just, I'm so much opposed to churches recognizing the government's authority to tell us to shut down. I just don't even, even if there were a real pandemic where there are, you know, millions of people um, uh, about to die, uh, then, um, you would, you would, uh, uh, you, 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 the, the government wouldn't need to tell the church to shut down. Everybody would say, Oh, okay. So, Hey, we're going to meet, you know, in these ways, like we did 10 person services for a while, you know, and you do things that are, um, you do things that are, uh, healthy and you watch out for things, you know, if, you're susceptible if you're carrying the disease, you be, you isolate yourself. And, but the, doing it to everybody, you know, everybody, regardless of your situation, this is something new. And, uh, um, and the church should, shouldn't, it, it, we can exercise our reason, you know, we can exercise our God given sanctified reason to say, wait a second, you can't tell us to do this. Like the church or the, the health officer for the state of Wyoming tried to tell us that we couldn't use the common cup. I mean, just the, the problem, it's just like, who do they think they are? You know, like, I hear that because yeah. yeah, I'm a firm believer in the common cup. I never take the individual. Yeah, I me neither. And that's fine. You know, people want to take the individual. That's great. But you can't go again. It's the church's decision. You know what I mean? It's the people's decision. It's not your, you don't rule over this sphere. Stay away. Stop telling us what to do. Who do you think you are? You know? And I, I want every single Christian in America to say this and to confess it boldly. 
because these guys are bullies. They're bullies. They're going to rob us of of a freedom that the Constitution didn't give to us, that God gave to us. The Constitution guarantees it. But for them to just trample on the rights of men and such, because because they're trying to keep us safe. It's like, oh my goodness. I mean, we, we, we've made jokes and complained about the nanny state for so long that it's just like, this is, <laughs> I just can't believe it. So anyway, well, now we're back on the bad again. Let's talk about the good. Let's talk about the good things we have to look forward to. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Um, and we're, we're at the bottom of the hour now, so we're going to have to take a break. And uh, we'll talk about that when we come back and also take a look at the future. Christmas music can be a lot like the Christmas story, very old, yet very new at the same time. On the next Sing for Joy, you'll hear music about Mother Mary, some old, some new, all of it lovely. Do join us. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Friday on Issues Etc. We'll discuss apparent contradictions in the Bible on Jesus' birth with Dr. Peter Scare of Concordia Theological Seminary. We'll talk with Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith about the sad irony of celebrity pastors. And we'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Listen and vote in advance at Facebook.com slash Issues ETC. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. 2020 has already been a year of chaos. Now add in the end of the year chaos, duties, deadlines, regrets, plus the pre-Christmas chaos of ads, peer pressure, shopping, family gatherings, empty seats at the table. Who can bring calm to this chaos? Well, the true calm isn't that we'd all just get through it or even get along. The true calm is the peace of Jesus Christ, the peace that comes from his promises, the peace that comes from his forgiving blood, the peace that comes from a confident hope in the resurrection to eternal life for all who trust in him. Don't ride the wave of chaos to get to Christmas and the end of the year. Join the Christian church for Advent and find the calming peace of Christ in your church and home. For Advent, Family, Table Grace, and many other resources, check out lcms.org slash advent. That's lcms.org slash advent. And find the peace that this world cannot give. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Trinity Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Village Lutheran Church at 1040, as well as Bible studies from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. 
Each year, my family has so much fun decorating our Christmas tree. As we pull each ornament out of the box, it brings back warm memories. Hi, this is Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you thrive with purpose. And once all the ornaments are on, well, then we put the star on top of the tree. Did you know it actually represents the Star of Bethlehem? With all that's happening this year, the social distancing, the pandemic, the economic volatility, well, Christmas might feel a little different. It's easy to lose your bearings and forget about the true joy of the season. So this year, think about your values and your faith and how you can live them out during the holiday season, even if it looks a little different. And you know, resist that temptation to get wrapped up in materialism and spending too much money. This year, each time you get overwhelmed with all that's happening, think of the star on top of the tree and let it serve as a reminder of the true meaning of the season. This is Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you thrive with purpose. Welcome back to Let's Talk, the pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen, and my guest today is Pastor Mark Preuss from St. Andrew's Lutheran Church in Laramie, Wyoming. What we're doing now is we're, because this is kind of a special program, this is the last Let's Talk program of the year, because starting next, uh, next Wednesday, uh, pardon me, next Thursday, we're going to be doing special programming up through uh, the first week in January. So this is it. And what we're doing now is we're looking back and seeing how this year has been from a theological point of view. Uh, and as Pastor Preuss has pointed out, uh, there's been bad news and also some good news. And we want to talk a little bit about the good news now. Your turn, Pastor. Well, <clears throat> I... Uh... I think that a lot of people are waking up to just our need. Um, I mentioned earlier about being woken up from our, our life of ease. And uh, it's um, just realizing what, uh, what's important in life. And that is our, our, our congregations, our families, and um, living a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. And so focusing not on fulfilling our worldly dreams, but on uh, praying for the welfare of Christ's church here and for the welfare of our children and our family and our friends. I think that that there is, in a sense, an awakening among Christians to, um, to, to spend time doing that. And you mentioned earlier, people are getting close, you know, they, they've, they've, um, been spending more time with their families. And in some cases, maybe that resulted in a higher divorce rate or something like that. But I think for most cases, people have learned, they're learning how to love each other. <laughs> and uh, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it's uh, I know in my case, I've been, you know, actually, we've been uh, working remotely, actually, I think since late March. So most of the time I work from home. Uh, this is a bit of, a, of an exception. On Friday afternoons, I come here and do this program live, and uh, I'm also here uh, all day on Thursday. But uh, I've been spending a lot more time at home now, and there are some things I'm learning how to appreciate. Uh, well, for example, helping my wife out with the household chores. Because mm-hmm. that's something I've not been able to do, you know, when I was uh, when I'm working full time. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is something that see she is so appreciative of, and something that I am appreciative of because now I'm I'm starting to understand some of the uh, some of the burdens that she has had, things that I hadn't thought of before. Uh, 
being a male chauvinist, I suppose I should. <laughs> and, you know, once upon a time, I was single, so I used to do all that stuff myself. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and it does make me appreciate her much, much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. The uh, I, I've been home more, too, and just observing my wife and children together and <clears throat> us uh we we uh started homeschooling again and i i talked about that on another show you had and uh but it's kind of they have a lot of help we had a lot of help from other members of the church and um so i've just been observing my children and and uh laughing with them and playing with them and working with them and it's a good thing i think it's a very good thing so and I think we can look forward to building on this um, next year. And I, I do think that uh, this will eventually go away. I don't know if the vaccines will will help with that, but um, will emerge, God willing, stronger and more ready to love. But you know, it's like uh, he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not again return to folly, is what the psalm says. So God keep us from folly, from foolishness, and from looking at this life as if um, it's all we have, or as if it's just going to go on forever, this earthly life, and and looking to the things that are eternal, and uh, and and uh, the thing that the greatest thing is love, faith, and hope will will disappear on that day when Christ comes, but love will remain, and so practicing that love now, and that, what a precious gift from God that we can do that and that we can love each other and not focus so much on ourselves, but look for opportunities to do good to other people and rejoice that God is pleased with that because we're not doing it to gain his favor, but because, and uh, that he showed us in Christ. So I tell you, I've never been looking forward to Christmas more. <laughs> I can't wait to celebrate the birth of God's son in the flesh. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, there's this one stanza by Paul Gerhardt of a hymn where it says, it's all my heart this night rejoices. And it says, if our blessed Lord and maker hated men, would he then be a flesh partaker? And this is this great question. If he hated us, why would he become one of us? You know what I mean? And it's just like these beautiful thoughts that you just can't, that, 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 that the Christmas, uh, uh, thrusts into your life. So you stop, you stop running away from God. You stop making excuses and you just look at that baby in a manger and see that that is your God. That all of God's power is wrapped up in a weak little baby. And that's how he saves us. He's going to be with us in our weakness. He proved it. And what a beautiful thing that we have, you know, and that means we can bear with each other's weaknesses and we don't need to have all of the comforts of this life, if we just have uh, this counselor, this wonderful counselor, who's, who, who, who uh, gives us so much in, in uh, every day of our lives, and especially when things are bad. Well, we've got next year to look forward to. Or at least to look out for one way or the other. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I still I still have like seven a seven percent chance hope of of Trump winning the election. I still do. You know, seven percent. I think I'm, I'm still somehow they're going to show that that 
Yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, one thing that's going to happen, uh, I think, you know, we, as we go into 2021, um, is we Christians are undergoing a, a difficult time for us, and uh, not just with the, with, the, uh, with the COVID. I mean, we've, we've faced a lot of problems from secular sources. I mean, the, I think the mask is off now that they really, mm-hmm. really hate us for our faith. And mm-hmm. uh, so we're looking at a thing now where I think that where we, the Christians, the, the true Christians, the, the, the Lutherans, the, our, our brothers and sisters in the other churches, uh, will emerge from the stronger. You know, there's that old saying, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I'm going to switch. I think there's some truth to that. And as you pointed out at the very beginning of the program, is that we're we're calling out some of the chaff. And some of the people Mm -hmm. who've been marginal now have to make a choice. And if they leave, that leaves us stronger. Or if they join us again, that also makes us stronger. Yeah, well put, Kip. If they leave, it makes us stronger, and if they join us, it makes us stronger. Yeah, yeah, that's well put. Wow. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and uh, well, I mean, the persecution. I mean, you look in California; they're they they were doing this before Trump got elected. Um, they were really pushing this: is that if you if you teach against their orthodoxy of LGBT um, rights then you lose your tax exempt status because it's a political you're 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 engaging in, in, in politics. And so they want to do this <clears throat> I think that we've had the Supreme Court has kind of put the reins on them a little bit, but they're still pushing for that. They want to tax the churches. They want to take their money. Uh anybody who teaches against what they believe, they want to tax. So we have, like you said, I think the mask is off, ironically, while they tell us to wear masks, um, that they, uh, they really do hate us. And uh, they, oppose, um, they oppose the good that we preach. And so, you're, yeah, we're, we got to get ready. And, um, and uh, whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever loses it for my sake will find it. So... Yeah. Well, we are living in interesting times. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things I find uh, ironic, uh, being a political junkie that I am, I've been reading the party platforms, and uh, one of the things that the hmm. Democrats state were that uh, they said, yes, well, religion is an essential part of our life, and we recognize it, we respect it, but religion should not be used as an excuse to discriminate. And what's discriminate? Yep. Well, if you preach the biblical truths. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we are seeing uh, a very concerted effort, uh, both at the state and the federal level, to remove the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. The idea being that uh, right now there, we have protections, you and I have protections, that we, uh, if we are in a situation that violates our conscience, uh, Jack Phillips, for example, or... Uh, or a, a doctor who doesn't believe in abortion, or uh, mm-hmm. transgender uh, transitions, whatever it is. You know, you don't perform a hysterectomy on a perfectly healthy girl because she thinks she's suddenly a boy. Yeah. And uh, this is what we're looking at, uh, is they want to remove that kind of protection. And mm-hmm. 
I think they ought to, beyond that, I think they actually want to get inside the church uh, and actually make it an arm of the of of the government. Well, at least to uh, oh yeah, at least to, yeah. to try to stifle the uh, our teachings, things that we simply cannot turn our back on. Yeah, of course, of course, they want a state religion. I mean, that's what all tyrants do. I remember when I was in Texas, this was years ago, seven or eight years ago. But the mayor of Houston um, asked for because they, they they passed some sort of um, uh, they passed some sort of uh, transgender um, protection bill and uh, about bathrooms or something like that. And the mayor demanded all of the sermons of the pastors so that they they could examine them to see whether they had spoken politics. Oh, right? I remember that. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, um, and she was a lesbian, the, the mayor, and you can see like, they don't, it's, it's, uh, uh, I think, uh, Charles Porterfield Krauss said it about the lie. Sassy said it too, but the lie first, it gains tolerance and then it gains equal standing. And as soon as it gets, um, dominance, it, it oppresses. It doesn't give equal standing to uh, the other opinion. You saw this with gay marriage. Everybody was opposed. I mean, most people were opposed to same-sex marriage. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the tide switched. And as soon as the Supreme Court passed that ridiculous opinion, um, the uh, they just started persecuting, you know. Uh, I remember the, was it the CEO or somebody of Mozilla? He gave a thousand dollars towards the, this California proposition. What was it? Eight, I think, to to define marriages between a man and a woman. And because he had given a thousand dollars to this, they fired him. Oh. You know, like they just they go and they just start canceling and doxing and 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 just going after people. I mean, they are they're 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 extremely zealous. And they, why they want to destroy the law uh, that shows what is beautiful so that they can feel beautiful because this behavior, like a, a, a young man uh, thinking that he is a woman is not a beautiful thing. It's a sad thing. It's a very sad thing. And we should help him out of such a situation. Right. But they want him. What they think is beautiful is doing whatever you want. What are, you decide who you are? Not even nature, not even nature has a say in who you are. You can rise above that. You're God. And so if you deny them the right to be the gods they want to be, then they uh, call that persecution. Yeah, they, they call, call it that hate. oppression. They call it hate. Yeah, and they call it hate. Yeah. So but what do they hate? It's like, <laughs> I remember talking, <laughs> I was talking about gay marriage. This is before, this would have been 2008, 2009. So it was before it was legal. And, uh, I, I was just explaining about how nature doesn't bless a man and a man with a child or a woman and a woman with a child. And so if marriage is based on nature, then marriage shouldn't be this. And that was my entire argument. Didn't bring up the Bible, didn't speak ill of anybody. And then this lady says to me, why do you hate gays? <laughs> Wait a second. Wait, I was making an argument about nature. And then you say that because I bring up and point out something that is obvious, that nature doesn't bless such a union with children. Therefore, I'm, and so what, what exactly, they think 
and they believe God hates them, you know? And so they want to change the God, and they change the, the rules and the law. But we can take comfort that God's word will always remain and will always stand. They can't silence it. And we can always rely upon that and stand upon that firm foundation. And if you stand on the word of God, you, you're not going to lose, even if it seems that way for a little while. Like that Sunday school song we learned, right? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I take my stand on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. So that's I like it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Those simple old songs are true, you know. <laughs> well, one of my favorite Bible passages that that I use when uh, people <clears throat> when people tell me, "Well, you should be more tolerant about this," you know, and and I say, you know, Jesus said, "Go and sin no more." He didn't say, "Go and sin more." <laughs> Yeah, And that's the thing. Yeah, he could forgive sin. Of course he forgives sins. That's why he was here, to take the sins of the world upon him. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's very clear. I mean, he wasn't there to destroy the law. He was there to uphold the law. Yeah, I know. And that's where, like, you're not going to... You can. We, we, we should be loving and kind to people, but being loving and kind to people is not um, continuing them in their delusion or their false belief, um, the, the nature, the law, you, you don't get salvation from the law, you know, and that's what they're seeking. They're just going to change the law of the government. And they think by changing the law of the government and through force and coercion, they can stop nature's judgment. <clears throat> you know, you can stop what God has written on their hearts and what, what God has created. And they can't. You know, so they're always going to get more and more mad and angry. And I mean, this is how communists are, too. I, I mean, was going to say that. I was going to say that where you get a, yeah. a, a dictatorship like that. One of the first things they do is to suppress religion. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear the story about Joseph Stalin? Um, I've heard a lot of stories of, about Joseph Stalin. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was about his daughter. His daughter was at his deathbed. And the, uh, Joseph Stalin, right before he died, looked up at the sky one more time and raised his fist and clenched it and shook it one last time. And then he fell down and died, you know, <laughs> he laid down and died. And it's like, wow, this guy had a real hatred of God, you know? And, and he, it's, it's so ironic because he denied God's existence, but his hatred of God shows that he didn't deny his existence. Don't you just love that you know? dichotomy there? where they deny God's existence and at the same time loathe him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's not, they don't actually deny his existence. <laughs> it's basically what it comes down they to. They think they are, because, but... Yeah, well, yeah, they think they are, but they, their behavior contradicts it. So it's, it's uh, yeah, but it's nothing, it's nothing new. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, and we've seen this before, and... Um, uh, we, we, the best thing we can do is remember is, is is cling to the word of God, cling to each other. Remember that Jesus is with us always, even unto the end of the age. Um, it doesn't matter what we're going to have to suffer. Christ will be near us to comfort us and to to um, to guide us. And he he, I mean, nobody the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. 
Well, my so. favorite hymn, I think, really uh, sums it up, and that is, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And yeah. as we go into the new year, uh, I think one of the unintended consequences of these of the secularists is, as I said earlier, now the, the mask is, is, is gone. We know now that they are truly our enemy, and they are out to do us very, very bad things. Uh, but God will protect us. We know that. And if we now have, now that we can see what is going on here, if I think it will strengthen our faith. Yeah. Well, it makes the world less enamoring, doesn't it? You know, you realize the the world isn't so friendly as you thought she was. <laughs> Mother and, Nature uh, is a mean lady. Yeah. Well, I'm not talking so much about nature itself, but just uh, the the world as in the gathering of all people. You know, those over whom, uh, like with the, the the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. That that that. Um, unholy trinity so to speak and um we we get enamored by the world because she gives promises of happiness and promises of success and glory and um and ease and peace and comfort and she can't comfort a single soul she can't comfort a single soul with anything that lasts beyond the grave so it's it's uh that's that's but we have a greater foundation and um, and that's why I love the last words of that hymn, and take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. So it's like these most precious things in our lives, even if these were to be gone, they still wouldn't have won anything because we have the kingdom of God. And uh, that's where nothing, not at the gates of hell, are going to prevail against it. That's why we, we don't worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink or how this life is going to be for our bodily comfort. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. And so we should ask for big things, Kip. We should ask for, we should ask for good schools. We should ask for um, faithful friends. We should ask for good government we, we should ask for the pure word of God taught among us. We should ask for, for, for self-control and good works that God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. We should ask for good, noble, beautiful things and, and, and delight in the things that are unseen, you know? And uh, because the world, she loves the things that are seen. But um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these things are all passing away. And... Uh, but Christ remains and his church remains. So we have a lot to look forward to. We have a lot to look forward to. I think we do. And we also need to have the awareness uh, that evil can be very, very attractive. And mm -hmm. and we have to be aware that simply because it looks good or feels good doesn't mean it is sanctioned by God. In fact, it may yeah. even be condemned by God. And this is one of the things that we're looking at. And we have to reinforce that. We have to remember that. Well, I think we do, but I think the secularists don't. They forget it. They embrace mm -hmm. their, their, their failings. They embrace their uh, improprieties as if they were somehow virtues. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's where we need to be saved from that because we all are tempted in, in different ways. And, uh, but yeah, it wasn't that, wasn't it your generation that said, if it feels good, do it. 
Uh, I'm afraid to tell you, yes, that was the, <laughs> yeah, 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 that was it. Uh, amazing, we baby yeah, boomers have a lot to answer for. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, there's a book called Ideas Have Consequences. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's... Uh, you know, what was that other one? If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. That's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a song, yeah. I remember that. Yes, yes, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's also that song, War. <laughs> What is, what is it good, good for? for? Absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, tripped on memory lane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are some good sayings. I have, uh, or at least memorable ones. So. <laughs> yeah. I tell you that, that yeah. is one thing I missed from the 60s and early 70s. The music was really good stuff there. The yeah, best may not have been good, but the music was good. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I grew up with that stuff. My dad played it on the radio, and my mom did, too. So... Uh, so what are you doing? What are you uh, uh, doing for Christmas and New Year's? Well, uh, for Christmas, we've got a tree up. Uh, my wife and I are going to be spending it at home. Uh, we are going to have a meal delivered to us. Uh, we, we, because, you know, I, I did the cooking over Thanksgiving. Never again. Uh-huh. Never. <laughs> Never again. It was not a pleasant experience. So, um, this time we're having, uh, we, we've, we're ordering our dinner and it will be brought in to us and we're going to be enjoying that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, we're both beer aficionados. So, uh, we'll be getting some specialty beers in and we will enjoy those. And of course we'll be opening our Christmas presents. As for New Year's oh, Eve, nice. well, we are probably going to stay up as maybe as late as eight or nine o'clock. <laughs> That's great. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to have my family over to our house on Christmas Day, and my ice rink is about halfway done. I'm hoping it'll be entirely done by the time they get here, and so we can send all the kids outside to go. Um, to go ice skating and get the ants out of their pants and burn off some of the sugar I know they'll be eating. So. <laughs> That'll help. Yeah. Well, Pastor Preuss, we're coming into about the last 30 seconds or so of the program. Any final thoughts that you wish to share with our audience? Um, yeah, I would say uh, be strong and courageous because the Lord is with you when you have his word. And um, don't give up those freedoms are responsibilities. And so don't give up those responsibilities and those freedoms that God has given to you for the benefit of your neighbor as well as yourself. Um, uh, Hear the word of God as often as you can. Uh, And um, if you can't leave the house, then then call people up, write them letters, stay attached to people, Um, love, love each other. Uh, find, look for opportunities. If you're, get, uh, if you're getting sad and lonely and depressed, you need to be with people, at least via a letter. I mean, go hear the word of God. Go receive the sacrament. It's worth more than this earthly life is because it gives you eternal life. And um, I just, yeah, give, <laughs> give, what, give what God has given to you. Thank you so much, Pastor. We're at the end of the program, and boy, did we get some good advice here. I want to thank you for joining the program, and we'll be doing it again next year. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. 
Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.